Hey there, we're the Westlap Pirates and welcome to the show. We're here to share our thoughts on Northwestern athletics and college sports with thoughts and analysis from the visceral to the statistical. We run our tailgate with the red pirate flag flying high above as we give no quarter, especially the fourth. I'm Sam Walter. I'm John Lacombe. And I'm Eric Scuzz, crab cakes and football scouspo. <laughs> uh, coming off our second buy of the season, obviously uh, after Nebraska, uh, the week zero, um, come back, have a week off, get over the jet lag from Ireland. Uh, so we have another bye uh, after the Wisconsin game. Uh, we head out to College Park, Maryland uh, to take on the Terps. Um, Talia Tangavaloa and company uh, is, I, I'm expecting is kind of going to be the, the focus of everything with you guys. But uh, John, why don't you lead us off? Tell us about the Terrapin defense. Okay, so I would say that Maryland's pretty well-baked at this point. I think it's pretty plain to see this team is aspiring to be Kevin Wilson era Indiana here. This is a pretty well-worn analogy on this pod. And I think anytime we use it, the ultimate point tends to be it's better to have an identity than not have an identity. And Maryland has absolutely built an identity under Mike Loxley. The defense just isn't part of that identity. Um, I would say the defensive Loxley era at Maryland started with a rebuild of a level that you rarely see in the Power Five. And heading into last season, it appeared as if Maryland could potentially have one of the worst defenses in the Big Ten in the modern era. And they didn't, but they still had a very, very bad defense. And all signs point to it being just as bad, if not worse, this year. So here's a paradox. Maryland lost two safeties, Jordan Mosley and Nick Cross, to the NFL this year. But those two safeties were Maryland's leading tacklers. And as we've said so many times, when your leading tacklers are your safeties, that means you probably have a lousy defense and Maryland is no exception. So in that secondary, Maryland returns everyone other than the safeties, except that Maryland finished 13th in the Big Ten in pass defense. But I would say that here it's useful to compare Maryland to another horrible 2021 defense, Michigan State. Now, Michigan State runs a 4-3 or a 4-2-5. Maryland runs a 3-4. But both share the fact that they tried to go super aggressive last year to compensate for not being able to get a standard pass rush. Beyond that, it's really just a question of like the degree of risk you're comfortable with. Michigan State traded being first in the conference in sacks for being by far worst in pass yards given up. Maryland traded being fifth in sacks for being second worst. This is all a way of saying that Maryland's corners, Deontay, ba- uh, Deontay Banks and Jacorian Bennett, are actually fairly well regarded. It just doesn't really matter because those guys were totally hung out to dry, and that was with two NFL safeties who aren't there anymore. The other problem for Maryland is that, unlike Michigan State, they don't play run defense. (laughs) This was the number 11 run defense in the conference. Compounding that is the fact that Maryland's best linebacker is probably Ruben Hippolyte II, and he's moving to the outside this year, probably because Maryland's trying to do anything they can to actually generate a standard pass rush in a 3-4 defense. <clears throat> and for the second season in a row, 
some of the most promising young players in Maryland's linebacker core transferred out after the end of the season. Up front, Mokite and Ami Finau uh, return, and both of them continue to be absolutely enormous human beings who honestly don't do a heck of a lot for this defense. Maryland dealt with some turmoil in the defensive coaching staff this year, so I guess if you follow, Loxley decided not to retain defensive coordinator Brian Curtis. Then he went outside the program to grab Kevin Steele. Kevin Steele showed up, like moved his stuff into his office, was there for a week, and then immediately bailed for the University of Miami. And then Loxley went back inside the program to promote Brian Williams to defensive coordinator. Um, So honestly, with all this going on, it's not surprising in the least that a bunch of the top young defensive players bailed from this program. Not a lot of stability going on here. But then again, circling around to where we started, that's not exactly true, is it? There's plenty of stability here. Maryland knows exactly who they are. I've probably already wasted too much of Guz's time in this podcast. 100% of what Maryland can accomplish in 2022 is on his side of the ball. I'll just close by saying that Northwestern truly should be able to do a lot against this defense. Lost in the disaster of last season is the fact that NU only played two of the worst six defenses in the conference, and things were a mess against Michigan State, but the offense looked just fine against Rutgers. This is a Rutgers level of defense. On the ground, Northwestern can definitely assert its will here, and that should hopefully help drive the passing game. We can definitely score points against this defense. I would just imagine, based on whatever Scuzz is going to say, that we are sure as hell going to need to do that. Uh, so as all roads seem to be pointing in the offensive direction, Scuzz, um Let's, let's uh, talk about the Terps. Yeah, so uh, last year I said that for the, and it was the second year running that I said this, that uh, the offense at Maryland had great potential. The difference between last year and the year before is that Talia Tungavolo was now a proven commodity. And um, they made good on that prediction. They had the fourth best offense in the conference last year. They were awesome through the air. Talia threw for almost 4,000 yards. 70% accuracy, better than two to one touchdown to pick rate. Uh, and he was decently aggressive attacking downfield, though he could he could be better here. This is probably the one you know area that they could improve on. Um, where they fell down was an inability to run in big games, running their offense like one dimensional and uh, you know couldn't control the clock and put that defense right in, in, in bad positions. They were much less effective when that happened. This year, I honestly think that Talia Tungavoloa is the best co- quarterback in the conference. His development has been awesome. And unlike a player like CJ Stroud, now granted I'm comparing him to a, you know, a guy who was a true freshman last year. Um, Talia's had to figure things out around him with a bad defense with emerging playmakers. I mean, this is something like his brother never experienced at Alabama either. Um, he's had to grind for his production. Uh, he's demonstrated an excellent ability to throw on the run. Uh, an excellent ability against pressure. This is the sort of thing that QBs like Stroud and Trevor Lawrence and uh, t- uh, Tua Tungavillo like didn't have to face it often until they were up against you know like Georgia in a, <laughs> in a college football playoff game. But Talia has to do it week in and week out. He is battle tested, 
And if your team is leading Maryland by one score in a high-pressure situation, better hope that your defense saved its absolute best performance for the end. Last year's stats were so good, it is hard to imagine Talia improving. Uh, I mean, maybe a little bit, but like a significant jump again this year just ain't going to happen. But I think connecting on big shots downfield is his is his major opportunity area. He wasn't bad. You know, eight yards per, per attempt is fine. But when you're, when you're hitting 70% of your passes, that number becomes a little bit less impressive. When you look at the receivers, like, there's some serious potential here for, for improvement. So Dante Dimas was the best downfield threat last year. He averaged 18 yards per attempt, uh, 18 yards per catch, I should say. Uh, all the other regular starters were, were above 13.5. So, again, that's really good. Um, but the growth for this team, I think, in 2022 is to have two or even three receivers in, in that, like, 15 to 18 yards per catch or, or better range and to boost Talia's TDs into the high 30s without increasing his picks. Um, the offensive line was pretty good last year. Uh, they kept Maryland. They were in the top 40 with regard to sack rate. Um, but like a f- just a 15% boost in run blocking would give Talia so much more space to work with. So let's talk uh, a little bit more specifically. The all, the all five starters from that O-line are back. Um, they should be able to build on what was a middling run run blocking game. And uh, they should be able to retain their strength in pass pro. Running back might be a problem, though. Last year's leading rusher, uh, Tan Fleet Davis, graduated. And the two rock star freshmen who I thought could really do damage with last year's team, Isaiah Jacobs and Penny Boone, have both transferred out. This leaves Maryland really thin in the backfield. Um, The receiver core is uh, it's approaching like Ohio State levels of bonkers. So, first of all, Talia is so good at distributing the ball. Ten guys had 15 or more catches last year. Demas returns as the top deep threat. Rakeem Jarrett, uh, the like five-star, all-everything recruit out of the D.C. area, uh, who played as a true freshman last year, uh, he led the team in balls caught and yards. He is their fastest, most dangerous receiver. Uh, they lost three other like mid-level contributors to the portal, but that has opened up space for Jacob Copeland, uh, a productive four-star transfer from Florida, and potentially Octavian Smith, another just dynamite recruit, their number two overall. And frankly, I just Talia is so good that having just a couple of top wideouts is all he needs. All the depth guys are going to have loads of space to make catches and contribute. So again, like the wide receiver core with Demas and Jarrett back up up top adding a guy like Copeland, they've got young talent like Smith, um, but you know that they're going to go like another six deep beyond that. They're just, they're going to be widely used. They're going to be extremely productive. It's going to be awesome. Um, Overall, I don't think Maryland quite has the talent to be the best offense in the big 10, but number two is certainly in the cards. Now, when you juxtapose that with John's assessment, like Maryland football games, might be borderline must watches next year because like there are going to be points boys absolutely <laughs> if you or a loved one is seriously injured by someone else's negligence hire kent sinson of the sinson law group after over a decade prosecuting murder cases in chicago sinson opened his own firm focused on wrongful death and personal injury cases he specializes in car truck motorcycle boat and other transportation accidents as well as construction accidents medical negligence slip and falls product liability and more Millions recovered for clients. No fee unless he wins. The Sinson Law Group. Compassion, empathy, and vigorous advocacy. 
Go to SinsonLawGroup.com or call 312-332-2107 for a free consultation. And go Cats! Yeah, so uh, let's talk about the schedule. Um, they open up the season at home against Buffalo. They travel to Charlotte uh, and then take on SMU at home uh, before they get into conference play. They're at Michigan, home for Michigan State, home for Purdue. At Indiana, home for Northwestern. Uh, head out to Wisconsin and Penn State, home for Ohio State, and finish off the season with a home game against Rutgers. Um, brutal finish. I mean, after us, it's the Wisconsin-Penn State-Ohio State triumvirate. And then obviously the Rutgers game, but they I, went both. They went bowling last year. They had a winning season for the first time since 2014. Um, you know, coming oh yeah. off coming off a huge win in the Pinstripe Bowl. I don't know. What do we think? I mean, let's say you divide the Big Ten into teams that are legitimate threats to do anything in terms of like potentially winning their conference or finishing, you know, in the top one or two or whatever. Or like winning their division. And then the teams that aren't in the section that is the teams that aren't. The most terrifying team is Maryland and I don't think it's close. Uh, This team, it's like you talk about the brutal, you know, that stretch toward the end. I mean, like Maryland doesn't care. Maryland can go outside of that Wisconsin, Penn State, Ohio State stretch and find seven wins. And honestly, I think they're circling that Penn State game. Um, this team is just in like, state college. Oh, in state college, this team can't play a lick of defense and they don't give a shit. This team is going <laughs> to, this team, like I agree with Scuzz. I think Talia Tagovailoa may be the best quarterback in the conference. He is like unequivocally got the best potential, uh, at the, at the next level. Like that is for sure. Wait, when, when's, when's your last totally. link? You know, great okay. Ohio okay. State quarterback at the next level. I mean, right. And honestly, and Stroud, you know who is in the NFL? Every single guy Stroud threw to last year. But again, not to put the cart before the horse of like everything we're going to say about Ohio State. I think it's telling <laughs> that Scuzz talks about like two different guys who were going to be the guy at Maryland uh, at running back this year being like, I ain't going to touch the ball at all this season. <laughs> I don't know. There's, there's, there's I mean, some, there's something else there. Cause like those guys, I think they probably underperformed last year. And, and you know, cause I, like I, I thought that they would be major contributors last year. It's weird to me that, that, that it didn't work out for them. Cause they were both big time recruits. I mean, that, I mean, that's the thing. I mean, you, you might be right, but I think whether it's, whether it's, them believing it or whether it's their they're leaving just making it so like Talia's throwing it like 50 times a game <laughs> this team is gonna throw so much and it's funny you look at the start of their schedule he may have like 1200 passing yards rolling into Ann Arbor on September 24th like Buffalo Charlotte and SMU they're gonna throw it so much but just in general like I look and I'm like you can find eight wins here for Maryland. And that's with them not being able to play a lick of defense. They just don't care. Like they're just going to play shootout football. And I feel like that just gives them a certain like, you know, just to hell with it. Like they're going to go out there. They, you know, this is a team that if they go like five and seven or like whatever, like Loxley's not in jeopardy here. This team is just going to go crazy. And, you know, if I'm Michigan, Michigan State, Wisconsin and Ohio State I'm like it sucks that we have to play this team because they don't care and 
God help us, like Scuzz said. God help you if you're Michigan State with your crap pass defense and you find yourself in a shootout in the fourth quarter with this team. Uh, I mean, like I, I mean, for anybody who's listened to our Michigan State preview, I, th- I think a lot of Peyton Thorne and the 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 pieces that uh, Mel Tucker has brought into that team, but like, I I don't know that they have the horses to go through a shootout with Maryland. I like, I'm I'm really curious how John, how you think Maryland's offense matches up against Michigan's defense. That's a fascinating matchup to me. And only like what, four games into the season. Right. That, that's oh. the one. That's the one I think they probably have circled that. Cause if they get that. Yeah. Right. Um, I in mean, the big I'm, house, I'm, like, the, like totally. the, there's a path to finishing second in the conference and maybe like a miracle shootout against Ohio state. I, I just want to be clear from Michigan scoring every time they have the ball against Maryland. So there's your trade-off. I mean, again, that's the kind of team Maryland is. But it's going to take Michigan like, oh yeah, three I mean, to six minutes to go down the field and score. And Maryland's going to get it back in like 35 seconds of clock. I mean, set your DVR for that one because that's going to be a wild game. Correct me if I'm wrong. That's a young secondary at Michigan, right? Yeah, and they're not particularly good. I mean, it's like, that's going to be a total shootout. Um, But it's funny, like, just stay away from the powers. If you're Maryland, Buffalo, Charlotte, SMU, Purdue, Indiana, Northwestern, Penn State, and Rutgers, all of those are winnable games for Maryland. That's eight wins right there. Um, And so, again, it's like they're, do I think they're going to get there? Probably not. Uh, The flip side is, again... I, I think what was the year that we went to Maryland and they had that receiver? Who was it who had an absolutely ludicrous amount of receiving yards against us? Um, yeah, it was yeah. Stefan Diggs. Stefan Diggs. And they, like, he was absolutely unstoppable that day, but so was our running game. And we just paved the floor with them. And I think that's the flip side. Like, I mean, again, for a team like us, we're evaluating it from a different standpoint than like a Michigan or an Ohio state or even like a Wisconsin. Like, so I, I'll, t- I'll tell you exactly when that was. It was 2017. Um, Northwestern won 37 to 21. Right. Um, Cause we've only played, North- we've only played Maryland twice. We right. beat them both times. The other one was the 43 to three uh, Kickstarter to the 2020 season. Our strength is our secondary, right? So if you're looking and you're being like, great, a team that wants to throw all day, okay, Talia Tagovailoa is probably going to have all day to throw. And as Scott said, you're talking about an NFL quarterback who's got to have who's going to have time and weapons. I'm just saying Northwestern's evaluated from a different perspective. And if you're juxtaposing this with like a Wisconsin or an Iowa or something like that, we can move the ball on this team in the ways that we want to do it. We can run on Maryland just like we ran on Maryland in 2017. It's just the flip side is they're, you know, they're going to be playing track meet and our game probably is going to end up like that also. And I know a lot of you saying Northwestern doesn't score a lot of points. Well, we scored 37 that time and we're probably going to need to score something like that again, but I think we can do it. So ceiling, I mean, you guys, you know, we're, we're thinking you can see eight wins on the schedule potentially without squinting too hard, right? Yeah, but for ceiling, I mean, it's hard for me to go above ten because that. De- oh, like, man. that's like, amazing! That, that's an amazing ceiling right there. Well, I like 
every game on this conference is or on this schedule, save Wisconsin and Ohio State, I think is gettable. At Michigan. I I don't think they're going to get all of them. It's at Michigan, and it's the fourth week of the season. That's that's where I just I think like will Michigan have played anybody at that point? I mean, Cade McNamara ain't going ain't going blow for blow with Talia Tonga Valoa. Maybe their running backs can, but I'll say this: I say eight is their ceiling, um, and I Scuzz is going that that's too rich for my blood. I can't I can't go ten. Because I just don't think that they can legitimately run the rest of the table, so I'll say nine. Uh, but, but I, I will, will say this. this: this team is so similar to Ohio State, and I don't think people are conscious of the degree to which it is similar to Ohio State. There is a lot of crossover here in terms of the profile of these teams, the points they're going to score, and the points they're going to give up. I will um, agree with you, save for the potential Heisman candidate that Ohio State has at running back. Maryland Maryland can't even sniff like a Doug oh, Walker a finalist right now. Right. Well, and that's the, uh, totally. I think it's just these are two all-gas, no-breaks teams. And just because one has a million more stars than the other, I think people are going to separate them. And I'm telling you, you're going to see a lot of scores that are going to look similar between these two teams is what I'm saying. But still at the end of the day, I'm still going to say probably eight and four. I don't think they get there, but I can see them safely getting to seven and five. I definitely think this team bowls. So where's the, yeah, that, that's what I'm I wondering. Mean, I mean, there's a lot of, there's a lot of toss up games. I mean, if, if you're you know thinking that they're going to be as, as strong offensively as, as you're saying, there's a lot of toss ups on the schedule to me, hard floor at five. I think they win their first three and they beat Rutgers. Uh, those to me are gimmies. And then you're saying that then they'd have to find one more. And I, Indiana, I feel like Purdue bet- between Purdue, or Indiana, us. us, I think they find one there. So I say hard floor at five. Yeah. All right. I mean, short, short of like a big time injury. Um, it's hard for me to not say six, especially because they get us and Purdue at home. And Michigan State at home. I mean, it's it's a nice it's a nice setup for Maryland. Yeah, I mean, Ohio State's at home for whatever that's worth. I'll just say again, I think you need to properly calibrate your expectations for Northwestern football in this season and circle this as a game where an offense that at times you may bemoan will have real ability to move the ball and score points in this game, and that that you know, gives us a real chance to do something. All right. So that's a ceiling. That's a floor. Are you, are you thinking seven and five? Is that what I'm hearing? I'll say seven and five. I think they win eight. I think they win eight. Uh, They're, they're going to get one of the big five on their, on their schedule. All right. I mean, I like one, one or two. There's a scenario where on October 1st, Talia Tagovailoa is one of the top three Heisman candidates in the country. Um, it is not in any way hard to map that out. All they'd have to do is be Michigan. That's that uh, whole like September Heisman thing. Like, yep. He, he, yeah. Talia can win. Talia can win the September Heisman. Yes, absolutely. Yes. Um, and I, and like maybe I'm biased because I just listened to our Penn state preview and I know their defense is, is, is spectacular, but, it's great, yeah. My God, that offense. Yeah. 
and and again, Maryland don't give an f. Like they are going to try to win every game 50 to 49. They don't care. Um and I think that kind of frees you up to do some stuff. And you, earlier you were talking about Loxley, you know, not being on the hot seat. He just signed a 5-year extension. You know, after after winning the bowl game, he's not going anywhere and like there there's some certainty there. They're not trying to play defense. They don't care. They're just trying to score as many points as possible. <laughs> and again, as unbiased fans who could really, you know, care less how well Maryland does outside of our game, they're going to be a fun team to watch. Fear the effing turtle, people. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds like it. Well, that'll just about wrap it up for Maryland. Uh, head to our website, westlawpirates.com, where you can leave comments and questions. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Westlaw Pirates. And you can always email the show, westlawpirates at gmail.com. Tune in next time as we give our visceral and statistical views on Northwestern athletics and look for us in the West Lot of Ryan Field flying the red pirate flag because we give no quarter, especially the fourth. For John Lacombe and Eric Skazba, I'm Sam Walter. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next time.